Majora's Mask. Chapter 37. Realm of Shadows. Part 3. Content Warning. Implied Psychosis and Self-Harm. The grass was warm. He walked underneath a clear sky, enamored by the lush field of green. The valley rolled endlessly in all directions, and in the center, there was a single tree. He thought he saw children dancing underneath it, but he wasn't sure. Link cautiously stepped forward, hardly able to take in the beauty around him. There was nothing but sky, sun, grass, and the single tree. It was peace. It was release. Suffering was now a distant memory. He thought he felt Zelda's hand in his, but he wasn't sure. Don't go, she said. I don't want to. Link felt her lips on his. The fountain's water flowed gently behind them. You are already leaving this land of Hyrule, aren't you? She asked. I'm not leaving until that mask is in pieces. Majora will die, even if... Even if... I have to go down with it. The sun bathed the ethereal land with an unspoiled holiness. Link raised his hand to shield himself from its bright rays. When Link opened his eyes next, he found only darkness. At first, he thought he was dead. But then he felt a familiar sharp pain in his stomach. The wound was still there, and a dull throbbing began in his shoulder too. The boy lay flat against a hard surface. Everything around him was pitch black. He tried turning his head, but there was barely room for that. Link raised his uninjured arm, discovering a rock ceiling just above him. He pushed, and it budged only slightly. He wasn't strong enough to move it out of the way. Panic was quick to set in. I am in a tomb, the hero realized. A tomb made of stone. It was almost the exact length of his body, leaving little room to move. He was all alone in the darkness with no way of getting out. Help! Link said, though his voice was weak. He tried pushing on the ceiling with both hands, but his wounded shoulder quickly put an end to that. As his breaths became shallow... Link tried to center himself. Don't panic, he told himself. The second that happens, you will die. He considered his options and recognized the discomfort in his back. His scabbard pressed against it. Oh, that's my only option. He slid his arms behind him, but his elbows hit the walls before he could reach his sword. Link grunted, trying to find a way to maneuver himself. He hunched upward but still couldn't create enough space to reach back. Link instead unfastened his scabbard from the front. His fingers fumbled and were clumsy, but eventually it worked. Then his eyes found the straps of his bag. They went up underneath a boulder where the entire thing had been crushed. Oh, no! Certainly all his bottles were now in ruins, but what if the masks had been crushed too? The Tiku and Goron masks were rather helpful, but losing Odalwas and Goat's remains meant that all his hard work would be lost. 
When the scabbard was off, he squeezed his body as far as left as he could to pull his sword on top of him. Soon, the gilded sword was free, and Link jabbed it into the ceiling above him. The angle was awkward, and it took him several tries, but eventually, he heard a crack. Link stabbed the ceiling repeatedly, each blow doing more damage than the last. Eventually, light poured in, and then pebbles followed suit. The tomb had been cracked, and Link pushed the bits of rock and dirt off as he struggled to his feet. His bag pulled him back to the ground before he could stand. The container was still under a boulder and its strap around his neck. Link slipped his arm free and finally rose from the underground. The land was scorched black. The ocean had receded immensely behind him, and he looked up to realize the shoreline had become a rather tall cliff. All water in the near vicinity had been vaporized. Great Bay was now rubble with the occasional pond. Link stood in a newly created gorge, and the shoreline's wall was carved with ravines and holes too. He was unable to see the rest of Termina from his position. The sky was black. But not because it's nighttime, Link realized. Threatening, dark clouds shrouded the western land, swirling with a foreboding aura that chilled his spine. The air was filled with dirt and soot, making each breath heavy. The sky's blue and sun's brilliance were utterly blotted out by the massive cloud of debris and storm. Link's entire body was near giving up. His tunic and legs were bloodstained, and his right arm throbbed terribly. His head was light and aching, and his muscles were drained of all stamina. The boy looked at the crumbled wall towering before him, finding a spot where he could walk up its sloping surface. The boulders that had once piled against the shore had been destroyed. The dam's avalanche had been blasted into the ocean floor with intense heat caking them into the ground. Link had been trapped underneath them when it happened. There must have been enough layers of rock and water to protect him from the fire, while also encasing him safely. Tattle, he thought. Link's eyes scanned the charred boulders covering the exposed ocean floor. He found the opening to his tomb, but no other one. He couldn't see an orb of white light or shards of glass. Tattle, tattle, Link said weakly. His voice echoed. There were no other sounds to hinder its travel. The distant puddles of surviving ocean water sat silently. No animals or wind stirred. Link coughed between breaths as burning soot entered his lungs. <coughs> Link knelt, clawing at the black rock, hoping to find a loose spot. He was too exhausted for tears as he searched in vain. Seconds passed, and still, there was no sign of her. Nothing answered him. The land around him held its breath, as if in mourning. The boy's heart skipped a beat. He listened for the muffled voice's source. It had come from beneath the rock. Tattle? Link said hopefully. He crawled across the scorched avalanche, directly over the spot where the voice originated. Link! Tattle, it's me! 
Link grabbed his scabbard, flinging it into the rock. Daddle! I'm coming! I'm here! I didn't leave you! I'm still here! He slashed at it until it crumbled. Light spilled into darkness to reveal a bright orb covered in dirt. <laughs> Tattle! The fairy couldn't respond, blinking out the debris and keeping her mouth closed as her tomb's ceiling collapsed. She pushed aside her bottle's remains, shaking her wings free of soot as she flew. Link's eyes widened, stumbling backward in disbelief as she emerged. <sighs> Tattle! He exhaled. She slowly turned around and met his eyes. For a moment, she appeared just as shocked as him. Then, the fairy flew into his shoulder. Her small fingers clutched Link as she rested her head against him. Tattle shook, crying as they hugged. Link brought down both hands over her gently, still on his knees beside the tomb that saved them. Uh, Link! The fairy said softly, nuzzling her head into his shoulder. <sighs> They remained there in one another's arms. Nothing else stirred in the hushed aftermath of the moon's destruction. When they made the short climb to be level with the rest of Termina, they blankly took in what was left. Their tear-stained, distant expressions could barely swallow the horrifying view. Darkness. The sky was a sea of black, grumbling clouds. Lightning bolts cut across the canvas menacingly. Not a single ray of blue sky or sunlight spilled through. The ground was one flat, level field of ash, stretching as far as the eye could see in every direction, except northward. Though Snowhead's mountains still remained, they'd been reduced to black, charred hills. Their now dull peaks had been stripped of life. And that was all there was. Debris lay scattered in the ash, any walls or barriers were burnt and leveled, along with the rest of the land. It was a flat plain of desolation. All civilization had been wiped away. It was oblivion. It was death. The plain went into the distance as far as the eye could see, blurred with the sky's darkness. It was impossible to draw a line to separate the level plain of ash from sky. The endless storm grumbled above them as if all that needed to be said on what lay before them. In the distance, the moon's face was buried into the ground where Clocktown had once been. The land surrounding it had crowned upward, surrounding it like a volcano's mouth. Only its rocky back poked out, a monument to the destruction. The most terrifying thing of all was the silence. Nothing moved. There was not a single plant or animal that breathed life. No wind blew against their faces, no sun warmed their skin, no colors decorated the wildlife, no waves crashed. There was only silence, the sound of death. Which is exactly what I saw on the other side of the Skull Kid's cave, Link realized. Now, he knew the field of ash had been completed, and Termina was no more. The moon in the center marked its completion. It's the final crown for Majora's wrath. Its years of slaying, destroying, and corrupting were over. Thankfully, his ocarina had survived, and the apocalypse could still be reversed. The instrument remained safely on his belt. Even though the moon had now technically fallen, he wagered Majora was still not free as long as there was a possibility to turn back time. 
the Song of Time's magic acted as a final lock. What was left of his bag was slung over his shoulder. It was tattered and torn with shattered glass bottles within. His bow had been destroyed when he'd left it on the beach, and the magic beans, quiver, and arrows were ruined as well. Only his ice axes, matches, masks, rupees, and the lens of truth had survived, including his sword and shield. Link and Tattle stood together as they took in the aftermath of Majora's mask. Tattle's bright ball of light contrasted starkly with the desolation. The dawn of the new day was darker than any night had ever been. This is exactly what I saw. Her voice was heavy with sadness. Tattle's home was gone, and they both knew that Termina had been reduced to this every time they played the Song of Time. Link knew what she meant without asking. Me too. After he took you, I went through the cave to find you. Then he's right, Tattle said. We're all just darkness. Not you, but all of us. I already knew it before he told me, but hearing him say it, I'm just a shadow. No, Link said. You're not. He barely stopped his voice from shaking, realizing how bloodstained, weak, and haggard he must look. I love you, Tattle. The thought of leaving you behind that entire cycle, it killed me. And once I learned that the masked salesman had taken you... Tattle, he's the one who killed Zelda. He killed Navi, too. Somehow, he was responsible for Anju dying, and I'm pretty sure he killed Tail. I refuse to let him kill you, too. Tattle's face was grim as she took those words in. He knew Navi. What? We gasped. He tried to lie to me when it accidentally came up, but he knew her somehow, and it wasn't something he wanted to talk about. Link's face twisted with anger. That didn't stop him from snapping her neck. He refused to feel any remorse for the man responsible for so much death in his life. The memory of you, Tail, and the Skull Kid robbing my horse is fake. The masked salesman is the one who kidnapped me and brought me here, but Navi tried to stop him and he killed her. Somehow he tempered with our minds, and that's probably why I forgot as much as I did. I didn't recognize Anju or remember Zelda dying because of him. I know, Tattle said simply. He told you everything? Yes, about the flood and what Termina really is. But I don't think he's right. Maybe this is where the witches sent the mask, but they obviously were wrong about what this place is. Link, look around you! Tattle exclaimed. Look at everything! It's darkness, it's death, it's nothing! It's proof that everything he said, everything the cave said, it's all true. No, it's not. Termina isn't just a realm of shadows. How can you say that? What else could it be? I don't know. Then open your eyes and look around! I'm nothing! Tail was nothing! And this whole land was nothing! No, Link said. I am looking around, Tattle. We both saw what was on the other side of those mountains. Yes, Majora destroyed that land too. But all that destruction is proof there's something here to save. I don't know what Termina is exactly, but this... This is darkness. What comes before the moon is worth saving. Clocktown. 
Goron Village, the Deku Palace. Somehow, it's all able to keep Majora prisoner. There's something about this place that the mask salesman doesn't want to acknowledge, and I think it's the same thing the Skull Kid wants to destroy. If this land really was just darkness, then it wouldn't matter what the moon did to it. But it does. If it falls, the mask escapes. If it falls, people die. If it falls, then Termina does become a realm of shadows. Tattle floated in silence for a long while. Her expression was hard to read. What if I'm too late? Link thought. What if she's lost too much of herself? What if everything that happened was too horrible for her to ever truly come back? Eventually, though, she spoke. In all my life, I'm not sure I've ever met anyone as stubborn as you. Even after everything that's happened, you still have hope. Even in the face of this. Tattle gestured at Termina's destruction. But without your thick-headedness, I think it's safe to say we'd all be screwed. Fling's fear subsided when he saw a smile on Tattle's face. Even though she was clearly still stricken with grief, her smile showed what he'd just given her. Hope. Link smiled back. I almost forgot what sarcasm was without you to constantly remind me. Well, it's a good thing I'm back to set you straight again. I made a bubble brain joke to myself the other day, the hero said. It was pretty sad, especially since being distracted by it almost got me trampled to death. He and Tattle were still smiling at one another, and Link felt a renewed warmth that had been extinguished ever since her kidnapping. I saved her. Link thought. For once, I wasn't too late. Her smile faltered when she looked back at the wasteland that had once been her home. Come on, fairy boy. I think we'd better leave this place. Link nodded. He pulled out his ocarina and looked at it, but this time, it felt like the right thing to do. He could finally leave this cursed cycle behind, and he'd start a new one with more knowledge than ever before. The stakes had been made clear. All that stood between Majora and its domination of everything was him. He had to ensure it didn't escape the realm the witches had used to imprison it. Yet, he refused to believe that Termina was a land of darkness. The witches must have overlooked something, and so had the masked salesman. The love between he and Tattle was real, and that beacon of hope was proof enough that Termina was worth saving. Tattle rested on his shoulder and Link played the Song of Time. The Skull Kid's feet touched the wasteland. His feet landed lightly on a pile of ashes that had once been grass. The moon was just beside him. Its face was hidden from view. The land stretched outward in all directions, and only Clocktown's ruins made it possible to distinguish the ground from the sky. The pure darkness from Link's scar was still wrapped around his sleeve, bald in his fist, the imp scanned what was left of Termina, and a deep sadness filled him. He was speechless. He stood in silence for quite a while, in the complete and total lack of sound. Aside from the occasional burst of thunder, it almost made him cry. It was as if an entire world had died. There's nothing. No, the boy lives. He remembered the dark purple eyes staring back at him as Link had shot back his lightning. 
Those same eyes had confronted him at the beach just before the scar's magic burned them too. But his fear of the boy's power dissolved into hope. Part of him was happy that the boy had lived and that darkness was not the only thing left in the world. Maybe desolation wasn't all that remained. Have you forgotten your place? The mask had been reading his thoughts as it always did. This is what we want. This is what we bathe in. The darkness strengthens us. The ash running through your fingers possesses power that cannot be found anywhere else. The Skull Kid hadn't even realized he'd placed his free hand inside the darkness, but he had nonetheless. He watched the ashes run through his fingers, and it did make him feel stronger. Life is an impure thing. It is imperfection. We must extinguish it. We must cleanse the world of its weakness. Then, the Skull Kid remembered. He was glad he had the mask to remind him. Oftentimes, he forgot how awful living things were, but Majora always course-corrected him. He would be lost and confused without his master. I hate how weak and stupid I can be without Majora, the Skull Kid thought. The darkness was his home, his friend. He returned to it when he was weak through the cave, but now it was all around him. He could drink its sorrow, feel the ashes, and wash his impurities away no matter where he was. No, we are not done yet, because not all have perished. You have failed me. The boy will play his ocarina, and all will revert to as it was. I'm sorry, the Skull Kid thought, shivering with fear at the sound of its disapproval. He hadn't meant to fail. The mask had told him to obey the Dark Sorcerer, so he hadn't killed Tattle. Maybe that was a mistake. That sorcerer and his masks are no longer players in this game. The boy ended his role prematurely. But perhaps that is for the best. His arrogance blinded him and made him dangerous. But I was never his puppet. He was mine. He was mine. The Skull Kid wondered what had happened to the Dark Sorcerer. Had he died? He had never known who he was, but Majora had reassured him everything would be okay, that eventually he would reveal to him everything, that answers would come in good time. I owe you no answers. I owe you nothing. I am the deity of this land, and you are a failure. You failed to kill the boy again. The Skull Kid licked his lips nervously, and his tongue tasted Majora's mask. He kept shivering as he stared out at the wasteland all by himself. I tried to kill the boy, the imp thought, but something unexpected had happened. Again, somehow, the boy had used Majora's magic against them, and now they couldn't even take it back without it burning them. The boy has tainted my magic with magic of his own. He has made it impure, 
and turned it against us. This is something that neither I nor the Dark Sorcerer foresaw, but it is of no consequence. We have stolen some of his tainted magic. The Skull Kid opened his hand with the torn sleeve to look at the glowing purple wisps. True, they now possessed some of it, but what were they to do with it? You happened to remove a very special collection of dark magic from within him. It will serve us diligently. The dark magic lifted from the Skull Kid's hand on its own. Before the boy slayed the jungle warrior Adala, he absorbed some of its magic. In addition to what he gathered from that lightning bolt, you foolishly embedded him with. The floating purple tendrils began to grow together, stretching out to take a human-like shape. It was a dark incarnation of the boy himself, and when he absorbed it, he corrupted it as well. So now, it is made of my magic, and the impure magic he continues to use against us, which means we now have a servant who is immune to the ocarina's tricks. The shape began to darken until it was as black as the land around it. A hat adorned its head pointed at the end with a sword and shield clad on its back and a tunic as purely black as the skin underneath. Its eyes opened and they were bright red. So now we turn his own weapon against him. The dark figure was slightly taller than the imp once it finished transforming, but it went to one knee, lowering its head. My master, I am here to serve. The Skull Kid smiled from behind the mask. All thoughts of hope and life were now distant, as if they had never existed. His mind was as featureless and obedient as the dawn of the new day. And you will serve me well, the imp said. You will find the boy and kill him. You will make sure to kill his fairy too and smash his ocarina to bits. Yes, master. Dark Link rose to its feet, its red eyes meeting the orange orbs of the mask. It will be as you command. The Skull Kid's smile widened. He reached out to grab the shadow's shoulder to ensure his servant traveled back in time too. Moments after the boy and fairy did, they vanished, leaving the desolate wasteland behind. For the longest time, he could only float in place, mouth slightly agape. The fire was still alive in his eyes, as if burnt into them forever. It had been an ocean of destruction. The orange, red, and yellow waves had been thicker and fuller than any body of water as they rolled across Termina. He had watched as the walls of Clocktown were simply obliterated. The ring of chaos had spread swiftly, a red hand swiping the board clean of anything and everything. The way it ate the trees, the way it consumed the grass, the way it became everything. It had rolled over the mountains, crossing their peaks and cutting down sharply into the valleys on the other side. It had battled the waters of Great Bay, pushing the waterline backward as steam curled into the air like thick, spidery legs. 
It had been the absolute manifestation of horror. Tail had felt the heat from far above, and he'd cried silently as his home was destroyed. Now, he couldn't get the fire out of his head. He remembered fearing that it would never go away, that the world below would remain a great abyss of crackling flames and death forever. But eventually, it faded. What was left in its place, however, was no better. The purple fairy slowly flew to the ground. He approached the ash pile slowly, afraid of the absolute, deathly silence that stifled his heartbeat. Death went in all directions. The world was simply black. He was almost grateful for the lightning and thunder. When there was a flash of light, it made it easier to tell where the sky and land met to form the horizon, and when thunder grumbled, it gave his ears something to listen to. He reached out, but he stopped himself before he touched it. He remembered when he and Link had journeyed through the cave. This is the same thing we saw there, he thought. The boy had reached out for the ash then, too, but had stopped himself just before he touched it. The fairy decided he would do the same. Thinking of the boy made him sad, because now, Link had to be dead. Tail didn't think it was possible to survive the moon's torrential hurricane of fire, especially from underneath the clock tower, where Link had presumably been. He had grown to like the boy, but that didn't change the fact that he was dead. Leaving him was the right decision, Tail thought. Tuttle? His voice was a whimper, barely puncturing the black wasteland suffocating veil. What am I supposed to do now? Tail wondered. The dark sorcerer told him that he only had to survive the moon, and then his sister would be waiting for him. And if your sister is intelligent enough to fly above the explosion, you will find her. The evil creature had said. If. Suddenly, Tail felt nauseous. What if she had done something stupid and had gotten herself killed? What if she tried to sacrifice herself for the boy rather than leave him behind? What if the dark sorcerer had lied to him and he had killed Tattle anyways? No. His voice was just as hollow and weak as it had been the first time. He realized he was crying again. He hadn't even noticed. The ghost of the fire was everywhere and it distracted him. The way it spread and grew and swallowed everything. How it was everywhere. Tattle! He said again. Would things have ended differently if he'd chosen to rejoin Link? Had that moment been the gods giving him one last chance? Maybe they'd intended for him to fly over to the boy so he could warn him about the trap. Then, maybe they could have saved his sister. And they all could have lived. But now they're both dead. No, he didn't know that. The boy was probably dead, but his sister had to be alive. She had to. The dark sorcerer had promised. Tail had left Link behind to save his sister. She had to be somewhere. At all. His voice was somewhat stronger than it had been before, but not by much. Where exactly am I? The moon was a mile or so off, buried in the ground. The land jutted up and around it, as if Clocktown had opened its mouth wide to receive the Skull Kid's destruction. But it was hard to tell where he was. 
Maybe somewhere in Termina Field? Everything looked the same. Then, he thought about the Skull Kid again. What had happened to him? Had he died too? In his own foolishness, had he not realized the moon would kill him? The way the fire had spread, the red, orange, and yellow, the flames, no one could have survived. The moon had been brought down to kill everyone. What if everyone is dead? Tail realized what that would mean. Across the mountains, there was a field of ashes, and he was pretty sure the same was true for every other direction. Now that Clocktown and the areas around it were ashes, did that mean he was the only living thing left? No, 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 no. Tail began to shiver. He flew, panicking. He raced as far from the moon as he could straight ahead. Hopefully he would run into something, someone. Eventually the black had to end, even though the world seemed to have become an endless dark cave. The sky and land were so blurred together, the field in front of him stretched on indefinitely. He yelled, his heart hammered wildly as he flew. His eyes were wide as sweat broke out on his forehead. It was still silent. Everything was silence and death. Red, orange, yellow, fire, flames, an ocean of death. He stopped after a couple of minutes. Nothing had changed. The only landmark was the moon, which had simply become further away. He looked around and wondered if this was where the forest had been. It was impossible to tell. All the trees were gone, and the ground was just ash. Then, he saw something on the other side of the moon. The mountains! The explosion had not been strong enough to level them, and since they were in the north, that meant he was in the south, which meant he was right about having been in the forest. It calmed him a little to know he had some sense of direction. He wasn't completely lost. Death! The fire was everywhere. It was a crater, and in it, there was only death. Red, flaming death. The mountains. Yes, he had to go there. Surely the Gorons had survived. The peaks were so tall, the flames couldn't go around the mountains to destroy everything there. Right? He flew swiftly, though he couldn't stifle the growing panic. I watched. The fire swam over the mountains and came down the other side, gutting the valleys like they were dead fish. No, no, no. Tail yelled. His wings carried him as fast as they could. He had to hurry. He had to find someone, or else he would go crazy. And if he went crazy, it would be exactly what Majora wanted. Majora, Majora is the bad guy. It's not the Skull Kid. It's not the Dark Sorcerer. It's Majora. It's Majora. was crying again. No, stop that, Tail thought. He flew over the moon. He flew over the stretch of land on the other side and found the gorge. 
It was black and filled with ashes too, but at least it was a change of elevation. Anything other than just this field of ash. After going through the cave, they'd been able to go back through to the other side, back to Snowhead. But now, there was nowhere to go back to. The Gorons, the Gorons survived. Tail flew high over the mountains, following the pathway below with his eyes. He was hurrying now. The thunder crumbled again. He took back what he said earlier about the thunder being a good thing. It scared him, but the silence was even scarier. The mountain smithy was simply gone, as if it had never existed. Or maybe that wasn't where the mountain smithy had been. He wasn't sure. He kept flying. These valleys had once been filled with snow, but it must have all been obliterated. The brief spring had been set afire as well. Tail remembered watching the white light spread across the land, and the winter disappearing with it. It had been nothing compared to the fire, though. The fire. The fire. It was so hot and bright, and it was everywhere. It wasn't much longer until he thought he was in Goron Village. He thought. He wasn't sure. Because there were only charred humps where the buildings had been. No. 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 This can't be it. This can't be where the buildings were. They had to have survived. They were safe in the mountains. But every other valley had been black and charred, too. The tail flew into the one where Goron Village should be. But for some reason was not. I have to be wrong. It has to be somewhere else. He was crying again. He had to stop that. He couldn't keep crying like this. Tattle would make fun of him if he did. <laughs> My sister, I have to find her. Tattle! Tail screamed. His voice was thick with fear. Tattle! He froze when he got close to the ground and saw something. It was a hand. It stuck out of the plain of ashes and Tail could see a body's silhouette underneath. It was round and large. It had probably been a Goron. It was a Goron. The mountains hadn't been tall enough to save them, but they had been tall enough to prevent their civilization from being completely obliterated. Everything had simply burnt, not exploded. He looked up to see what he thought might have been the Goron Shrine. Despite the mountain's protection, even that structure hadn't survived. Soot still fell from the sky and the smell of burning was fresh. Tail shakily turned away from the Goron's corpse and looked at the rest of the village. It was all desolation. There were bodies everywhere, large and small. They were all black now. They had all been burnt. <laughs> No! 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 He was crying again. He had to stop that. His sister would. His sister. Shadow! The fire was darkness. The fire was death. Those weren't his thoughts. He froze. Or were they his thoughts? They sounded terrifying like a voice in his head. There is nothing left. There is no one. You are alone. You are the only impurity. Shut up! 
tail yelled again. Leg! Skull Kid! Corvus! Read a thing! Anybody! Help! They can't hear you. They can't hear you because they're gone. The voice, it came from his mind. In my mind, it's in my head. He had been thinking about the fire, and the voice had started chiming in. Had his own desperate thoughts conjured it? It's my fault. It's my fault that the voice is here. If only I had stayed calm. I am the darkness, and you will become the darkness too. Join us. Help us cleanse the light within. The fire is brighter. He was frantic now. He had to make it stop. He had to make it stop. Don't go crazy. Don't go crazy. Hold it together. The fire was death. The darkness is death. The land around you is death. He flew so fast in every direction, but he wasn't sure where to go. He came to the edge overlooking Lone Peak's shrine. There was a Goron lying dead right at the cliff. The fairy had just noticed him. The corpse's eyes stared blankly ahead with the ghost of a smile on his face. Why had he died all alone up here? Could the fingers move? Were the fingers twitching? Oh, Tin, had the fingers just moved? The darkness will consume you. Join us. Jump into the fire. No, no, no. You cannot escape it. You cannot rise above it. You can only join it. He sobbed openly now, trying to find somewhere to go. There were corpses everywhere he flew. Were they walking? Were they coming towards him? Was it just his imagination? Was the voice real? Death is the only reality. Life is as fragile as it is impure. The dark, terrifying voice in his head kept talking, and the dead bodies around him continued to dance. <laughs> They're dancing. They're dancing in the fire. He flew into the pile of ash, aching now as he cried, trembling as he almost choked on the debris. Swallow it. Revel in it. Become it. Join it. Dance in the flames. No, stop, stop. Tuttle. Tuttle, help. Dance in the flames. Tail rubbed his face into the ashes, crying miserably and gasping in the madness. It was all spinning. The bodies were dancing. They were dancing. He looked up from his tear-stained face to see charred possessions that had spilled from the hut he groveled before. They were blackened and burnt, strung out and scattered, with bodies lying next to them. But one of the objects shone back at him. Dance, dance, 
become one with the fire. No! Stop! Please! He crawled now through the ashes. You cannot fight it. He pushed the other objects away as he continued to sob, his hand wrapped around the handle of the knife. You cannot overcome it. The blade glistened in a spot near the center. It was black otherwise, like everything else. He tried to stare into that one silver spot, the one thing that wasn't darkness. There is nowhere to escape. But he saw his own reflection and his crazed eyes staring back. He averted his gaze, panting as he clutched the small blade. Dance. Dance in the fire. No. Stop. Please. Just stop. He was tired. Too tired to yell. He just wanted it to stop. He had to find his sister. The dark sorcerer promised. He lay in the ashes on his side, squirming as he held the dagger. He was a purple spot on a black canvas. Join the bodies. Dance. Dance with the bodies. Dance in the fire. No! The voice was yelling now. He had given up yelling, and the voice had responded by screaming. It wouldn't let him stop. It wouldn't let him give up. Stop! Please! His hand shook as he raised the knife. Join with silence. Become one with the flames. He was crying again. His fingers were sweaty as he brought the blade's edge toward his neck. Dance! Dance! Join us! Stop! Stop! Make it stop! Tail looked into the sky with his red eyes and trembling voice. Please, God, help me. Why won't you help me? However, he was only pleading with the clouds, and they did nothing to end his misery. The cold steel was sharp against his throat. The fire is everywhere. He pressed it down harder. Become one with Majora. I just wanted to stop making stop. It did. <laughs>